Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Fight Diggy, Tribe Called Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Absol. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. What's going on? Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Vaughn, and today I am talking to one of the biggest names in Canadian hip-hop history. He came in the game inspired by the likes of Maestro, Mishi Me, the Dream Warriors, and Ghetto Concept, and he left a trail for all those who have followed since. True story, he was once offered to sign with Jay-Z, and he said no. He's worked with everyone from Pharrell to The Clips to Drake to Akon, and he's still doing his thing. And if you've seen him in concert before, you'll know he can light up a room like very few can. That's why my guest today is none other than Cardinal Official. We talk about everything from surrounding yourself with the right people to the difference between a dream and a mission to finding true happiness. Take a listen. I want to start off with a a pearl of wisdom, maybe a couple pearls of wisdom that I've pulled off, whether it's your Twitter page or Instagram, but different quotes I want to run by you. First of them being this one. Never be the wisest, richest, or most brave person in your circle. Yep, I agree. Tell me more about that. There's levels to it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of times uh, it's an ego thing to where people want to be the smartest, the richest, the best at everything. But I think that will limit your scope in life, and it will also... What, how can I? How can I put it? When you keep other inspirational people around people that are better in life um unless you're seriously an egomaniac i think it's gonna drive but you know what even if it is competition based it's gonna drive you to want to be better even if it's strictly a competition thing to where you're like oh man i can you know i can do whatever better than this dude or i think i can make more money whatever the whatever your personal reason is for it it's going to be better for you. You know what I'm saying? It'll it'll ultimately drive you to to want and or get more. All right, another similar quote in that vein. Don't let the narrow scope of others affect your vision of possibility. Failure loves company. The winner's circle accommodates very few. Mm-hmm. Could you expand on that? Um, I think people don't understand that everybody can't win in life. And when you are somebody that's going to work his ass off to be one of those people in, in, in the winner's circle. There's a lot of people that realize that they're not going to be able to get to where you are in life for whatever reason is, whatever the reason is. And you have to be comfortable with the fact that it is very lonely once you do reach that point of success that you are aiming for a lot of times. Because the thing is, if everybody could do it, everybody would do it. You know what I'm saying? If everybody could get to where you are, then they then they would be doing it. But the truth of the matter is that's just not a reality. The, the reality of the matter is there's going to be a lot of people that you love, that you do things with in life, and you're like, oh, man, we're going to do X, Y, and Z together. We're going to start a label together. We're going to do a clothing line together. We're going to, you know, be the top accountants at this firm together. And then you realize, hey, more time, uh, my skill set is, is different from this guy, and maybe I can offer something to the world that, you know, that my friend can't. The winners, 
the winner's circle is it's a it's a very small circle and i tell people all the time like just even in terms of being a visionary it's so difficult sometimes because you have to understand being a visionary you're going to see things that other people can't because that's what being a visionary is all about to be quite frank you know what i'm saying like if everybody could understand what you were talking about from the rip you wouldn't be a visionary you'd just be you know another person but that's part of having a gift is you're going to be able to do things that other people can't you're going to be able to see things and understand things in a way that people can't and that can be very terrifying to be honest you know what i'm saying is it's like you have to believe in yourself that much to know that uh hey, listen, there's this thing people are going to think that I'm crazy, not going to make sense to anybody, but you have to believe in yourself and your talent enough to know that you are making the right decisions and you are making the right types of music and, and um, you know, just, just different different things like that. You have to be able to be cool. And even if you're not cool with it, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to be able to get over it at the same time and understand that, Yep, you're going to be, you know, by yourself is going to be you against, you know, a hundred people, you against a million people, sometimes even more than that. But you have to, as a visionary, you know, just understand that this is, this is who you are. This is what your gift is. This is what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And realize that by the time you get to that winner circle, there's only going to be a couple of people that are in there with you that understood the vision. But those are the other quote-unquote crazy people those are the other visionaries you know what i'm saying the people that either understood or believed in you enough to say you know what you're so good at what you're doing i'm rocking with you so you would say it's only natural that along with being a visionary there are going to be many people that don't see what you see absolutely and any person you can you know i know we're talking hip-hop so let me use some hip-hop examples uh, Jay-Z turned down by every single label. Every one of them said, nope, don't get it, don't understand. Clark Kent was one of his few advocates that's like, this guy is the guy, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, eventually, people are like, oh shit, Jay-Z is amazing. Too late, he's already like, you know, fuck off, I gave you guys the opportunity, and you guys didn't believe in me. But yeah, like him and, you know, him and Damon Biggs, they were visionaries, and you know, they had this idea and this concept of what Rockefeller was going to be and the type of artist that Jay-Z was going to be, and they believed in him. You look at Kanye, I literally was there a lot of the time. I remember being at Mick Show Power Summit at MPS back in the day, and him literally, like, trying to convince these DJs and these industry people, yo, I'm that dude, and I need you guys to keep spinning through the wire, and trust me, I'm going to be the biggest thing since sliced bread, and you know, people being like, uh-huh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember in the year, I think it might have been 2001 when I got my first deal, and Kanye was amongst a bunch of producers that were in studio trying to sell me beats. And I remember I was facing the console, and there was a bunch of people behind me, and there was a guy that's like, yo, you need to cop them beats now because they're about to go up next year. <laughs> and for like, you know, turning around and being like, who, who the hell is that? <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, at the time, I think management was like, yo, he's this guy, he produces for, like, Rockefeller or whatever. And I'm like, yo, why am I going to give this guy my bread? He's such a fucking arrogant prick, you know what I'm saying? And the funny thing is that, you know, when you, you know, I've gotten to, not a lot, but I've had definitely a few times where I got to 
hang out with Kanye and realize that, you know, he's not really like that. You know what I'm saying? He's actually a super cool, very humble, and in, in little ways, a little bit insecure, you know what I'm saying? Like, in a very innocent way, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's actually quite the opposite of, of what he embodies a lot of the time. But it's like, you know, just getting back to what I was what I was originally describing, the Jay-Zs, the Kanyes, obviously the Drakes, like, you know, a guy coming out singing at a time when people aren't really into the singing and being emotional and stuff like, you know, he had to endure a whole lot to get to where he is. There's so many examples of of people, you know what I'm saying, that had these visions. You know, initially the Fujis didn't work until they got with Salam Remy and he was able to help them paint their vision. There's so many different people that are amazing talent. And sometimes it takes another visionary to recognize that, yo, this kid is talented. This kid has got something. What was it like for you coming up and having that same struggle, I imagine, being a young kid where there are very few precedents at the time? I, You know what? I came up at a... At a I love the time that I came up in because it was still a time where originality was what we strived for in hip hop. Nobody was supposed to sound like somebody else. So I came up at a time to where we were always, and when I say we hip hop, we always celebrated those people that brought something new to the game. So you got to think about it. Even like when Nelly came out, like there was no other Nelly that came out. When Ludacris came out, there was no other Ludacris. Shoot, when Tribe came out, when, you know, that's, that's just, I came up at a, at a dope time to where to sound like somebody else was taboo. So, you know, everybody is looking for that new thing, but that, that new dope thing. So when I came out and I had this whole vibe to me, people didn't like, people were like, yo, what is this? Like they were attracted to this guy that's talking this rhetoric that was so foreign to them, but you know, was so familiar to, to certain places around the world. And I think it's because, you know, I really just embraced being a first-generation Jamaican-Canadian and, you know, my work pretty much embodied what Toronto was like at the time. Like, that was so appealing to people, like, right away and organically. It's not like I came out and I had, you know what I'm saying, that, that, that song that sold millions and everybody was, you know what I'm saying, just pretty much dick-riding. You know, saying, oh, we got to work with this guy because he's number one. Like, no, at the time that I came out, I still considered myself pretty much an underground lyricist. You know what I mean? And somehow I managed to attract the attention of some of the biggest and best within the industry just doing doing me. You know what I'm saying? Like doing what I what I always did. So that was just very encouraging. Like, you got to think about it. First album, you know what I'm saying? First, you know, you're just two singles in. You're already working with, you know, Bounty Killer. You're working with Timberland. You're working with Pharrell, with Pharrell Monch, with Buster Rhymes. You know what I'm saying? Like all all these icons um, within music. And, and, you know, these people are wanting to work with you by you doing you. Like that's that's incredible. Yeah. So, it you know, it was uh, the timing of it was, was great for me because... I just I just loved being in hip-hop at a time when we still celebrated individuality. In a similar vein, uh, speaking of celebrating individuality, this is a quote I think touches to that, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this one. You say, do it for love. Don't do it because you're looking for love. Two very different things. Hmm. What can you tell me about that? <laughs> I, I could tell you that it sounds like I used to smoke, even though I didn't. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know because you know what's interesting is is growing up within this game. I don't know what I meant at the time that I said that, but like, I think it's very you know, it's like if you want to equate it to a romantic relationship, there's a difference between people that find love organically and people that are going out looking for love. A lot of times, you'll have the best the best relationships are it may be a relationship that started off as a platonic relationship to where you're actually just having a really amazing time with somebody and love develops from that as opposed to somebody that's like, you know what, I'm looking, you know, if you're a chick, I'm looking for a man, I really want to have a boyfriend or you're a dude and you're like, yo, I really want to have a girlfriend. A lot of times those are the times that you don't find what it is that you're looking for. You have to let things kind of happen organically. And I think maybe... With music, I think doing it for the love simply means like I give people this uh, lottery equation to where it's like, yo, if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? You know what I'm saying? And whatever your answer is, that's probably what you're passionate about and something that you would do for the love. Whereas I think a lot of a lot of times we are looking for adoration. We're looking for that response to where, you know, somebody's going to say you're the greatest and you're the best type of a scenario. I think that will that will come regardless if you if you do it for the love. I think um, as long as you do it well, that that will come as opposed to you know people being able to to tell and and read through your shit. You know what I'm saying when they when they realize they're like this guy is doing it because he's you know what I'm saying like he's looking for that love and adoration as opposed to somebody who's just doing it and that love and adoration just just happens organically. If you were to win the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? I still do music. Like, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would just be able to pay all my favorite musicians. I mean, as long as they would want to work with me, of course. But given that they'd say if I had enough money to, to pay them for their work, I would be able to work with with uh, some of my favorites. That's That would be job number one for me. Like, you know, that's the ultimate is, you know, whatever, Lotto Max, now you have... $70 million. Well, Jesus Christ, all right, cool. Let me go see where Raphael Sadiq is at. Let me go find out where Stevie Wonder is at. Let me go take a, a trip and, you know, see if I can dig 3000 out of a hole. Like, you know what I'm saying? People that come with a, a big price tag and rightfully so, but I think at the end of the day, you know, if I had that much paper and I was making an album for the simple reason that I just have the opportunity to make the best album possible. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I would do is I would take my money and and make uh that same thing, make an album strictly for the love and I and I think that would probably be the best thing that I would do initially anyway with with my with my earnings. Be nice to help clear as many samples as you want too. That too, bro. <laughs> like that's a, <laughs> That is a big one. There's so many crazy samples and beats that people send me i'm like yo this is so dope but the sample seems like it's gonna eat my whole you know my entire album budget <laughs> so yeah that would be i didn't even think about that that would be the illest being able to rock any sample gee yeah that would be dope <laughs> all right another quote for you they will have you believe that there is no chance for your dreams to come true they will say whatever they can in order to make themselves feel better the most important question is what do you believe and who do you believe in right Tell me about that. You know, one thing about people that are on that quest, people that 
have certain goals in mind and they're on that path to try and attain certain things in life. There are people whose only job in life is to tell you that you can't do it. And I think, unfortunately, it's a cycle. I think many people's existence is they don't even realize that they are, they are part of a cycle that was put in place by generations of their family. Could have been a great grandfather who told the grandfather, you're a piece of shit, you're never going to make it, which in turn, you know, he told his son that and he told his son that. And unfortunately, there are some people that didn't have dreamers in their families. They didn't have people that were that were great supporters in their family. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, unfortunately, there's, you know, people that either didn't have the proper tools in their lives to achieve their goals, or there's just some people that unfortunately were just part of this cycle. And I think that a lot of times we don't ask ourselves that question. A lot of times we spend time chasing the wrong things and being concerned about the wrong things. We need to know who we are as people. And I think when we are very honest and and straight up with ourselves and say, hey, this is who I am, this is what I love, and no matter how weird it may seem to, to people, this is what I'm proud of, that's very important is for people to be able to identify who they are and what it is that they want from from life. And then on top of that, whether it's religious beliefs or just, you know, secular, when I say, you know, not just what do you believe in, but who do you believe in, sometimes it's you gotta you gotta separate the two. Because who do I believe in? Do I believe in that random label guy that may tell me that I suck? Or do I believe in my God that tells me that anything is possible? You just got to figure out a way to do it. And for me, it's always been about, all right, cool. Even if people don't see my vision right now, I believe in God. And, you know what I'm saying? I really believe that through, through God, all things are possible. So I have to constantly remind myself that that is what I believe in. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, I'll waste a lot of time trying to convince people of things. I'll spend a lot of time trying to seek acceptance from people that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like what people believe and all the rest of that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. So, so yeah, that's, I think that's where, where that came from. Speaking of that generational aspect, talking about how one grandfather can influence his son and then his son passes that down to his own son. I remember the last time we spoke, maybe two years ago now at Western University, you were talking about the influence your mother has had on you. What's the biggest thing she's passed on to you? Community is probably the, the importance of community is probably the, the most influential aspect of everything that she does. The importance of, of, of community. People say to me a lot of times, like, you know, yeah, Cardi, the, the philanthropic stuff that you're doing, like, Oh my God, how do you have, why do you make time for it? Or why do you get involved? And I think this is something that I've always done. And it's probably, there's a direct correlation to what my mom has taught me is that community is, is, is extremely important. Which community? That's different for, you know, at different times of my life, I've been involved in different aspects of the community, but I think that is a real big one for me and, and something that my mom was very passionate about, you know what I'm saying? That she understood that I belong to a, a bigger community of, of people, whether it's the hip hop community, 
uh, whether it's people of color, whether it's community of people that value education very highly. It's really all about, it's really all about community. It's imperative that from a young age, you understand that the more you know, and by having your knowledge come from more than one place, like that is, it's, it's seriously priceless. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another quote. We have a lot of work to do on many levels, starting from the ground up and not the top down. Mm. Can you build on that? People's priorities are different at the top. And a lot of times people at the top think they know what is best for people that are still on the front lines, people that are still on the ground level. I think it's very important to be able to take things from the people that are walking the walk every day. You know what I'm saying? One thing that I learned about, you know, being able to ascend to certain heights is that you may, if you're not connected to the ground floor, to the ground level, to those those folks that are struggling, still in that struggle every day, you'll become disconnected and delusional as to what is really important to people. So I think a lot of things have to start, you know what I'm saying, with the people on the ground level and, and see what's important to people, see what's important to communities, you know what I mean? See what what it is that they're actually striving for, what uh, what they would love to achieve, and then, you know, use the power and influence that you have to to help affect that change as opposed to You know, I think that's what happens with government is they kind of start with the government and they're like, well, we think that this is what's good for the people. Then they, you know, I mean, they disseminate certain information and it trickles down. And by the time it gets down to the people who really need it, they're like, well, who the hell told you that this is what we want? We don't want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not important to us. Um, You know, yeah, like times when I don't want to get into it too deep, but, you know, you look at this carding scenario that was happening in Ontario And it's like, that was not front page news, you know what I'm saying, a couple of months ago. But to the community, and especially with people of color, it's definitely front page news. Because we're, you know, we are being unlawfully harassed and asked to maybe give up information that by law we don't, we don't have to. But, you know, we're we're finding ourselves in all these detrimental scenarios based on some of these practices like carding and and other things, and I think, you know, things like that are very important to somebody that may live in a disenfranchised, poor neighborhood where they are they are constantly in contact with the police and constantly being taken advantage of. These are everyday, very serious issues. But for somebody that maybe lives in an affluent neighborhood, for them, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a big deal. They're like, well, this stuff doesn't affect me. It, it's whatever. And I think that's why, you know, for people that are that are really trying to affect change, you got to be able to to start from from the ground and move on up as opposed to the top down. Another quote of yours jumped out to me, and it was making the distinction between dreams and missions. You said dreams can be shattered, but missions must be completed. Mm. So, uh, could you tell me more about that? I think that might be the fundamental difference between a dream and a mission. Is a dream you can have a dream which is synonymous with maybe an aspiration, like a dream is something that you would love to be able to do. A mission is by any means necessary. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes dreams don't come true, and that's just a reality in life. There's certain dreams that may never come true. But a mission is something that you will literally spend your life trying to achieve and you want to see come to pass. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that mission is. So 
A dream may be I want to get a record deal, whereas a mission may be I need to change the way that the record industry works. You know what I'm saying? Getting that record deal, you may become 45 and you're like, shit, well, I think, you know, time has passed. I'm never going to get a record deal. Whereas with that mission of trying to change the recording industry, you could do that at 70 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, missions must be accomplished. And I think that's what I was referring to. That's what I was getting at when I was talking about that. What mission are you on right now? I'm on a mission to be to be happy. <laughs> as simple as that sounds, I'm on a, a mission for happiness in life. That's my mission right now. And I think based on what I just said, it's a difference between a, the dream and and the mission. Because I don't know how long my mission of, of wanting to be happy is going to take, but it's something that must be accomplished. And I realize that, you know, on those days where I'm like, fuck, you know, I don't feel the joy in what I'm doing. That's how I know that the mission isn't complete. And I think by me being happy, what's cool is other people are, are going to get to be happy along the way, because a lot of times my happiness isn't just a self-serving, selfish happiness. Like, it's not just, yeah, me in a fancy car with money in my pocket. Yes, I'm happy. Happy means that people around me are happy also. Me being happy means that I've, uh, uh, you know, I've been able to, through the positions that I'm in, I was able to change the lives of many people around me for the better. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that's my real mission in life right now um, is to be happy with everything that I do. That's interesting. So... Would you say true, lasting happiness comes not at the expense of others, but rather by seeing the most people around you happy as well? Yes and no. Because the other thing that I that I realized is that you also have to make time to be happy yourself. Like, yes, others around you have to be happy, but you have to make time to be happy yourself. And I spent many, many, many years seeing friends of mine happy and me actually not being able to be happy myself. It's balance. And I think a lot of what equates to my happiness is, is finding a balance because there's many times in life where my family has been my main focus, but then I haven't been fair to the music and the music suffers or the music is going great, selling millions of something, traveling around the world, and then your family suffers. Like balance for me is, is often, oftentimes um, I can equate balance with balance and stability with happiness. Hmm. Yeah. All right, let me put this to you. Fill in the blank for me. The world would be a better place if blank. The world would be a better place if... It's always tough because it's kind you know, it's kind of, I don't want to make it generic. Um... If we understood the, and I know it's kind of corny and maybe cliche, but I'll go on a little bit. If we understood the true power of love and how positive positivity can help, there's strength in numbers. And I think, you know, a lot of times as people, we get so caught up in competition that we don't realize that by working with people and like-minded individuals that we could do and accomplish so much more. And you can take that scenario to, obviously, you know, hip-hop is a big part of it. So we talk about 
you know, hip-hop, if we were to work together with a lot of dope people as opposed to being like, yo, that nigga's whack, or yo, you know what I mean, I don't I don't fuck with that guy, or whatever, whatever, like, the 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 positivity and love, if, you know, if we were able to find what connects us as opposed to what divides us, I think we'd be so much further as a people. And a lot of times we spend so much time focusing on the division as opposed to, you know, the, the connectivity of everything. Absolutely. I've got to ask you about something yet. I believe it was two years ago you did this podcast with Cabby, and at the time you were talking about a documentary you were working on, and it involved Pete Rock. Is this still in the works, and what's the latest? Um, it is. It is. It's just my life is extremely hectic. So, you know, I, who did I speak to? I spoke to... Whew, I spoke to Resh32 from London. I spoke to Stylo G from London. I spoke to Max Glazier. I spoke to Cypher Sound. I spoke to Pete Rock. Um, there's so many different people that I spoke to and that I still have to speak to. It's, it's pretty much a documentary on the contributions of the Caribbean people and Caribbean culture to hip-hop and R&B. If you look at the history of hip-hop music, and then I found out even there's so many people just even within R&B that also uh, have a Caribbean lineage. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think how, you know, kind of like the Latin American story has been told. Sometimes the maybe the Jewish story has been told. I think the Caribbean story hasn't been told. You know what I'm saying? And just all the things that we've contributed to this game. To be honest, I don't think that our story has properly been told. So, yeah, that's what that documentary was and is about. And one last question for you while I think about it. You've been all over the world. You go by Mr. International for a reason. What's one place you haven't been that you'd still like to go? You know, some people would say, how could he be Mr. International? He's never been there. I've never been to Italy. Hmm. I've never been to Italy. I Like, I've been to, shoot, some Spain, Romania, Japan, China, Mexico, you know, all over the globe. Dubai, Beirut. How, you know, how can somebody say they've been to Beirut and they haven't been to Italy? You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I would love to go to Italy for the food and for the fashion, for sure. And then, you know, obviously I would, I would love to see what their hip-hop scene is like over there. Um, but, yeah, Italy is definitely someplace that I would love to be able to, to go to. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Any last words from you? First of all, I never say last words. Parting words, maybe. I hope for these words never to be my last. But first of all, I, I would like to say I, I, think, I think at the end of the day, um, I'm really, really thankful that uh, people really still love the music. It's so amazing when you see that people not only appreciate your music, but also understand the intent like you know what i'm saying like when people understand why you made certain songs you know what i'm saying or why certain songs have a, a specific type of of content like that you know that is is amazing and i'm just very grateful for the people that have been rocking with me for so long but 
I'm even more grateful for those those new fans. You know what I'm saying? Like even this deep into the game, uh, to be able to have new fans that are discovering me for the first time. It's it's weird sometimes when people are like, I don't know who you are. I've never heard of you before. I think that, you know, obviously it's always going to be a shot to the ego. But then once you're able to get past that and you're like, yo, this is wicked that somebody is like I'm brand new to somebody and they're really discovering, you know, what's up. I think that's dope. And, and you know, really and truly, I just got to um, say big up to the fans that have stuck by me for so long and the fans that have grown with me and have taken my music and had my music be part of what shaped their life, you know, big up, but also to those people that are just discovering me right now and, and, you know, seeing what it is that I'm about, yo, big up to you guys also, because I think that this is going to be an incredible ride. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Cardinal, go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got more interviews with him there, plus more music and videos. If you enjoyed the show, help us out. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, just search The Come Up Show. Leave us a rating, share the interview wherever you can. It helps us more than you can imagine. Hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, I'm Martin Bum, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. 